Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Charlie, and this is probably the last episode for 2019. So, starting off early, I would like to wish everyone a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Years. And also, I'd like to thank you guys for listening to us here at the Econ Hangover Podcast over 2019. This was. My first year podcasting, and I'm pretty sure that you guys can notice from、uh, some of my lack of skills and some of the you know really experimental projects that we've been doing here. So I would like to thank you guys sincerely for the patience and for sticking around、uh, with us until now. All right, so getting this last year, you know, show we're gonna have a. Philosophical topic for our series on the philosophy of science, and we're gonna have actually we're gonna focus more into the philosophy of economics, which is a topic that I rarely seen being discussed、uh, in social media and among economists as well. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist any kind of discussions on that, but you have to dig in deep and probably. Practically, just go to academic texts and stuff like that, which are not really democratic, and it's they're pretty boring readings. So I'm trying to with this episode to bring some of that complexity to something better to listen. Okay, so if you're a student of economics, as I'm saying, not like an independent student, which anybody can be nowadays because we have so many resources that you can, you know, like study economics. But I'm saying, like formally, like if you went to, if you go like to a college, a university, and you study economics, that's your major. Or if you do a master's, or if you're doing PhD, something like that,、um, you've noticed that economics has become more like a exact science, although conceptually it's not. But if you if you study economics academically, you see that. Pretty much ninety percent of your classes will be math based, quantitative based, and really dense hardcore with this, you know, with this view of having to prove things. Even though we know in reality, economics doesn't work as math. It's not something that we can just calculate and things will like happen in the way we want. We know that economics is one of the most complex things that happens because it's pretty. Much vulnerable to society. However, and I make part of a group in my university, in my masters, that I'm part of the empirical research team, and we try to get some of these economic questions and try to, you know, make them as more linear possible for testing and for showing quantitative results. Results, and we're seeing more and more. That economics, despite being having this huge influence from math that was brought by you know economists in the nineteenth century, especially some guys like Alfred Marshall,、uh, we know that some of the things in economics are much more in the humanities than in the exact sciences, aka like the math part of it. You know why is that? Because like it's pretty obvious, like. The, the, it's pretty obvious that the first mistake of economists is to just focus on numbers. Although I love numbers, 
But we have to remember that economics is made of people. You know, the economy, sorry, it's made of people and society. And really trying to like to quantitate, like to to calculate what society is gonna do with a certainty, it's pretty much crazy. But we try to do because that that's the, the job of the economist. We need to try to have a faint framework where we can build some kind of model so we can prevent ourselves from going down in spirals of failure in public management and private management that will give us a lot of trouble for our survival of our country, of our uh, nation, or, and even thinking more macro of our entire species. But I would like to think with you guys why we're using so much of a you know, empirical, quantitative, mathematical-based economics still in the 21st century. Some, there's like two lines of thinking here, guys, that we need to address. Like some people, they're more into the empirical side, the quantitative side, which are more like, I'll say more traditional economists. You're saying like, oh, no, we have to, you know, quantify everything, everything that we must do. We have to, you know, to use functions and complex math to show what we're trying to, 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 you know, to predict, to forecast, to analyze. And there's the more like, I like to call these guys like new age economics thinkers. <laughs> um, I'm not saying in a pejorative sense because there's a lot of like, I don't know, like bad conceptions when you say, oh, those new age thinkers, like they're hippies or something. But I'm saying like this, like the newer economists or the ones that are more focused and, um, you know, trying to have a, a, a bigger macro view through, through the science. And some of these guys say that, hey, we don't need all that math. We can just, you know, express some of the th these things in a literary sense, you know, like through economic literature, like, you know, put the kids to read the, the books and theories and study something more similar to uh, sociology and anthropology or psychology. Uh, and the other things that require calculation, like econometrics and stuff like that we will dwell into the necessary math. And as much as I like math, and I'll pretty much like to calculate everything in my life, because like, seriously, uh, it would be so much cooler if like, we could just like calculate what a person is thinking or what a group of people are thinking. And then we just like do it like a, I don't know, like, like a, like a, like an AI, like we're kind of like an AI that just like, calculates like the movements of ants or something and we can just like you know uh, produce policies for them but it doesn't work that way human beings are too complex or too unpredictable and you just get from the sense that like one person has an opinion so a group of five people have five different opinions and five different personalities and five different behaviors and histories and then when you get a society how many people like millions of people with different you know, all of those variables. So how can you predict that? It's impossible. So I'm not saying per se that we don't need to use a mathematical framework for policy making and for, you know, macro stuff, but we need to, you know, like to create a conjunction between the human, human part and the mathematical part. Like, 
in my opinion, like what we should do probably or should be doing, it's first come up with a quantitative, sorry, qualitative analysis of a problem, of an economic problem, and later, you know, uh, project uh, a suggestion of a quantitative or empirical testing to solve that problem. And sometimes we see that in economics, it works backwards. We start with the quantitative part and later we try to look at the qualitative aspects of that. Although this is not a rule of thumb, guys, because the, like, there's many studies that are produced with like very quick insights of like really great thinkers that they're just trying to you know answer everyday questions and you know for just for making life better for for us or to a better reallocate resources and stuff like that. But pretty much the hardest part that I think is that in academia, economists are trained so much to try to think mathematically that they miss their common sense of a citizen, you know, like they miss to have the judgmental, the critical thinking of, you know, looking at everything that happens in life, like everyday events and trying to come up with economic analysis through that. Like, I'll give you an example, which really bombs me out. Like, uh, for example, you're walking downtown in the city where you live. And when you walk downtown, there's like all kinds of people. And you see like a bunch of like homeless people or people that are in, a, you know, in a really precarious situation in the middle of downtown. There's normally a business center with banks and, uh, you know, like uh, corporations and all the big shots there. And you see like... <laughs> Pretty much in the side of a bank of a million dollar company, there's like a, uh, I don't know, there's a, a homeless person there begging for scraps. And it really bums me out how like never like people ever act like, especially economists, they ask themselves like, hey, how that happened? Why is, where, where, why is a bum, sorry to use this word, why is a homeless there? in a city center that's supposed to have the largest concentration of money in my city. Why this happens? What is the problem with the system? Why some people are so rich while some people, other people are so poor? And this is obviously just a general example, um, but it really, like, I really get confused why I don't see many economists questioning this. And I actually see a lot of people that are non-economists asking this every day from all kinds of professions. Like I have a lot of friends that come out and tell me this, like like that they feel bad when they see so much inequality in in the city and they wanted to do something but they don't want don't know exactly what to do. And I think that's the time that we should be putting our economists to think and to brainstorm and trying to come up with solutions to you know to decrease such problems, you know. Uh, I know this is a topic that can come through a lot of ideological discussions, especially political, because there's actually a lot to happen nowadays. But I don't know. I have a feeling that I see like the the guys that we need in these times are the economists, not necessarily to having the results right at hand, but just to start contemplating some of these things, because I think the power that economists have or the power of knowledge. And normally when you see like economists and the internet talking, they usually I just see them trying to come up with empirical evidences through um, through the stock markets and things like that. 
which is which is great, which is great. Like you expect, like to have a really badass economist coming up with answers for that, but I don't see like the other guys that come up with answers for society being valued, and it's some somewhat frustrating that we have guys in economics that have the knowledge to come up with answers for these solutions and they're just being kind of ignored or they're ignoring themselves which is worse because we know there's higher incentives in the profession for this guy to go for banking or for this guy to go for um, a corporate job instead of going for a more you know um to more more altruistic approach although like i understand that what i'm talking is kind of utopic and i mean uh, i mean being an economist is just a job like you need to survive you need to pay your bills so it's not like you're gonna get a guy and say hey dude stop working for your bank and you know go open like an ngo and try to come up with solutions to to end world hunger it's kind of not like that how it works in practice but just the contemplation i think it's something that should be uh more you know discussed in economics universities and majors and stuff instead of just like training these economists to be highly pragmatic and looking for just a banking position or a, a you know like a corporate job or something like that like i think that economists they have the potential of coming up with you know like systematic results for the problems we have in society and this is society like there's always going to be problems in society we like it or not but it's it's awesome that we have this profession with so much uh complexity and density on both the humanities and um exact sciences like they have this merging and we should be you know using this potential that economists have to making the world a better place in the end <laughs> and i know i'm being really age like a, a new ager here but it's true like we we all want to see like a world that is a little bit more gentle that is a little bit easier to live instead of like just going into rat race and you know doing the nine to five thing or seeing people that are extremely frustrated we want to see a better world in the end And why don't we use this empirical, you know, evidences or this empirical skills that we have to like unite ourselves as economists to uh, research stuff like that, or even better, let's be more pragmatic. Maybe we should like, we know we live in a capitalist society, we need funding for such researches. So let's do a research and show these companies how they can profit better in their business for making, you know, reducing stuff like inequality and, um, you know, environmental crisis and stuff like that. Yeah, but um, it's, a, it's a delicate topic, I know. And as much as I'm sounding really cool and bold here, the truth is that uh, as much as I can talk, just talking won't make any results, you know. So I see my, my mission as an, as an economist or training economist, because I still didn't finish my master, um, as someone that can that came here, that has this profession to open people's minds in society, to, um, you know, bring new people to 
come up with these solutions because I mean it doesn't matter if I get a Nobel Prize or anything if I have something in paper in the end we need action and these are like the huge backdrops of being an educator it's because um, you have to train other people to do the things you think should be done and they're never going to act exactly as you want and that is fine because nobody is right in the end no one is the beholder of truth in the end we were just trying to make things better and society goes through trial and error in the end you know but i would really like to put the suggestion for all our fellows all the academics on creating you know um you know keep doing the things we're doing for example using the high pragmatic math and all the kind of metrics that we use and the applied math that we use for making forecasting and keep using that for getting our economists for the kinds of jobs that they already do because we still need evolution on that because it's endless like you know it's always going to be evolving like the kind of economics you do in corporations and banks that economists do but somehow we need to come up with a solution for creating incentives like to to younger econ like young economists to seek careers also in development and growth because i mean if society doesn't walk together you know there's going to have a huge disruption in the system and i don't want to sound all dramatic and all and like a Nostradamus here but i don't know like i, I really like fiction novels especially science fiction through the genre of cyberpunk and i think cyberpunk has a really insightful method of of saying like hey guys this is what's going to happen if we screw up this is the kind of future that's waiting for us it's just we hope like it's just fiction but we never know i mean if you history it's unpredictable we know that like we would never like people in the past in the 18th century they will never imagine they'll have like two world wars that destroy pretty much half the half of the world and kill all the people that are killed and back in the in the 60s and the 70s they would never imagine that we have wi-fi and real-time internet and stuff like that and from 30 years into the future now we're going to see stuff that we never imagined and as much as we can see really good stuff that can can, can come up we can see really screwed up things that can come up and I think our jobs as economists in the society is to help alleviate some of those backdrops that may happen in society if we don't take care of our system. Well, but pretty much like I'm a really big defender of math in the academia because I also don't think that economics should take just a pure humanities standpoint for like for example like students just being reading uh texts and articles and coming up with like brainstorming solutions and those really generalistic answers because that happens a lot in humanities courses like 
just see like students debating a bunch of stuff and it all sounds like pretty insightful and all, but in the end they're just debating in classroom or in a YouTube video or in a TED talk or something like that. And by the end of the day, nothing gets done. It's just pretty awesome speeches like what I'm doing right here. <laughs> um, so that's why I think math is necessary because we need this uh, more pragmatic approach, this more objective approach for uh, creating better arguments and creating uh, maps for economists projecting and putting into uh, perspective some of those plans and arguments that they have. Because in my opinion, if you have an argument and you have some kind of empirical evidence to back that up, it'll be much brighter, you know, like you have like a higher probability of coming up with something right instead of just spilling stuff out of your your gut and you know just sounding cool and bold but in the end you're just like a big talker you're just like something like that and as like there's this famous quote by man i just forgot the name of the economist that he he says that the biggest difference between economics and politics is that the first law of economics that economics is, is the science of scarcity and in politics is the first law to forget the first law of economics. <laughs> uh, it's an overpriced economist and I forgot his name right now, but I'll be sure to put in the show notes. It was like in the tip of the tongue. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty much like that. Like I think that that's the that's the that's the job of the economists. Like if we if we don't have such a good argument, like a good a good rhetorical system, we won't be able to back up and we'll be just manipulated by politicians and fancy talkers. Oh yeah, I remember the name of the economist. Thomas Sowell. And how I could forget that one. So yeah, this is like I'm gonna requote this more precisely. First lesson of economics is scarcity. There's never enough of anything to satisfy all those who want it. The first lesson of politics is to disregard the first lesson of economics. So I think that pretty much like Thomas Sowell, he got the point of that one. <laughs> pretty simple thing to say, but really powerful. And exactly like Thomas Sowell said, like we have as economists to think about that, like. How can we use better arguments? How can we use better data to back up our, our arguments, to make a better society? Because if economics is just being used to profit in stock markets, what is the purpose, like, like systematically speaking? What is the purpose? Like, if society is not thriving, companies will not thrive, and the stock market is going to go down. There's entire, like, I know this was extremely simplistic and oversimplified, but I mean, in a objective way of thinking, it's like that. Like, so it really grinds my gears <laughs> when I see economists saying like, oh no, man, I just care about the markets and all and uh, no, screw everything else. I'm like, dude, if society is not being taken care of, your markets are gonna fail or something like that. Or they're gonna have huge volatility or they're gonna go berserk and you shouldn't just think about your little narrow perspective that you just think about maximizing profits. 
you know, you have to understand, at least as an economist, that you have a duty to take care of society. You know, you have as a duty to educate. You have as a duty to, uh, to at least contemplate. Because I think that sometimes we, we underestimate the power of contemplation. We think it's just like overthinking or it's just armchair philosophy and nothing's going to get done. But I, I, I think contrary to that, you know, I think contrary to that, I think that contemplation and with the right dosage, okay, it, it's really beneficial because as we get to contemplate things, we get to question things better. We get to look at things that are higher perspective. And we get to try to find solutions and try to plan things better before just jumping the gun and, you know, like doing whatever our will tells us to. And yeah, well, it's uh, we're almost getting to the 25 minutes mark. And I think that probably this might go for a part two. Um, there's a lot of more things that I want to say, but I don't want to go keep going in circles or keep going into, uh, you know, like the show, social justice warrior type <laughs> uh, over here. Nothing against that. It's just that I don't, I don't really think that's my stilo, but it's just that I really felt that at least for me personally or in a mission wise manner, I was supposed to record an episode more like expressive more opinion-wise, because like I said, I think that that's my mission as a future economist is to express my values, is to express the things that I want. And also, it's really cool having a podcast for this because like, I can always be wrong, guys. Like, don't take this as a, you know, super correct statement because I can be wrong. And as much as I use these podcasts to reevaluate my thinking, it's pretty cool that I can get other people to check these out and reevaluate their thinkings or to come up with better answers than me. Maybe they can come up and say, hey, you know, Charming, that was wrong because of X, Y, and Z. I have a better, I have a better solution. And that's where evolution comes from. It's from, you know, trying to do things, trying to come up with changes. And as much as we think that sometimes changes can be really individualistic, Sometimes it comes with contribution of the other of other people, you know. Sometimes a guy can listen to a podcast like this and say, "Hey, you know, like that's pretty cool. It opened my mind, but I have a better solution." And that's why I think we cannot keep too tight inside of our own ideologies and our own thinkings, because we can always be wrong. And it's honestly completely arrogant to think that you're no more than everybody else because you don't. Life is too complex than that. And at least one of my biggest personal values that I try to cultivate every day is trying to listen to everybody and try to look at their own perspectives as much hard that is because sometimes we get some really good answers, but sometimes we got some real bullshit opinions, but it's just a healthy habit, at least for me, for keeping like a, a, a dynamic listening because we never know where we can learn something either being from the guy saying something super interesting or saying complete nonsense well guys this is it for this last economics hangover podcast for 2019 
And like I said in the beginning of the episode, I'd like to wish you guys one more time happy holidays, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year's. And thanks for sticking around with the Economics Podcast in 2019. I look forward to to have you guys here in 2020. And I hope that we have some you know better content here. Um, if you guys notice a little difference in the audio, it's because I'm using a microphone now. I'm not recording in my cell phone anymore. So uh, nowadays I'm recording like I got this studio microphone. So I really hope it's better for you guys. And, you know, like we're going to keep on going and we hope that we have better gear coming up in 2020 and some better ideas. And also, I'm, I think I'll be more committed in training my rhetorical skills because uh, I've noticed that in my past episodes, I, I stutter a lot and I did a lot of, uh, you know, stuff like that. And I'm really trying to police myself to not do these things so you guys can have a better listening time with me. All right. So this is it, guys. Thank you so much for sticking around and have a blast in this last days of 2019. Have a good one. Bye bye.